too. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Okay. Uh, does this have to be on? <laughs> yeah. Because of pressure. There you go. You know, I, I, on my way over, I was, I was thinking to myself, am I nervous? Or, I'm starting to sweat. And then finally I realized the first time I had wool slacks on since, like, April. I've only been wearing shorts the whole time. I said, no, I attribute it to the slacks, not to the nerves. But it's very nice to be amongst you gentlemen, uh, good friends, many of you for many, many years. And it's nice uh, to be able to uh, share some thoughts with you uh, about some of the things that have occurred in my life. Hopefully they can relate to you and maybe you can embrace them and uh, bring them back home with you at the same time. So before I begin that though, um, Brian knows this, I sing in the choir at the great auditorium in Ocean Grove. The auditorium was built in 1894. It seats 7,000 people. There are not 7,000 people there every Sunday morning. There's more like 600 or 700, and they kind of spread out, so you kind of, you kind of say, well, how many people are actually here? But 700 people coming in to worship at the same time is pretty exciting. And this past Sunday was um, the... Um, uh, a special Sunday that they always do at the end of the, the season, and they bring in the Salvation Army. So the speakers are Salvation Army, every, everything about the service is Salvation Army, and they bring in the Salvation Army band, and they put it up in the front of the auditorium, and the acoustics in the auditorium are really terrific for music. And so as the uh, band, it was the Montclair Citadel band, and they started playing, and I was just like, it, the music just like washed over me. It was like incredible. They were playing uh, This Is My Father's World. Now, I haven't heard that hymn for about 15 or 20 years. And just to hear those 28 brass pieces playing it so mellow, so beautiful with like two, two drums, it just, kind of like, it just like kind of washed over me. And I thought to myself, you know, when I was thinking about coming here, it really is very simple. Everything we're going to talk about here is this is our Father's world, right? And everything that we do um, every day is to honor him. He gave of his best for us, and it's only natural that we should return that uh, by giving of our best to him as well. So um, I have a Bible verse that I'm going to read right now, Colossians uh, 3.23. Uh, says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human matters. So um, I'm going to start my story a little bit, and I, I'm not very comfortable talking about myself, but we're going to, that's what it's all about, so that's what I'm going to do, is um, I'm going to start talking about mentorships a little bit. So as I was growing up, um, I kind of didn't even realize this mentoring was occurring, but then later I uh, realized how important it was. So there were at least three mentors that I had um, as a younger person, the first being my dad, right? So fathers, hopefully most of you had the opportunity to know your fathers and, and have them mentor you as well. He was a self-employed individual, very hardworking, faithful, honest. Um, I could list everything down the line. There almost sounds like the, the Boy Scout you know, motto or whatever it is, that brave, cheerful, reverent. He really was a terrific stand-up guy. So um, it took a lot away from him. And the other was I had a Sunday school teacher in high school. His name was Jack, and he was an IBM executive. 
And he had a, a powerful influence on me as well. Um, ultimately, when he retired from IBM, I was fortunate to have him come and work at the bank for a little while, and it was a, a great thing. And then later on, I had a group of mentors, primarily um, on my board of directors, Brian Stad, Bill being one, Ari Legwater being another, and Rick Culp uh, another. And I'm going to just list some of these takeaways that I thought um, I, I carried with me from their mentoring. Now, these are informal mentorships. These are not like formal one-on-one. -on -one. I'm assigned to you, so I, I need you to help uh, bring me uh, up to speed. Um, but basically, uh, the first one was their uh, honesty, every single one, integrity, work ethic, empathy, how to deal with conflict, uh, slow to anger, uh, listening skills, a very, very good one, um, and, uh, as, and also, of course, underlying that was their faithfulness. And the one that maybe is uh, kind of fun was they all had a sense of humor. And I enjoyed that immensely from every single one of them. So that kind of like helped, helped start to form um, my character and I'm very grateful to them. And whether they knew they were mentoring me or not is, imm is immaterial because they actually were. So when ASB was in formation and I was asked to join, um, it was so intriguing to me and I always felt like I was being drawn and led there. And these mentorships that I had, these people surrounding me, helped reaffirm uh, that decision. And I'm very grateful for that. But it was not an easy decision because, number one, the bank didn't exist. It was a concept. Number two, it was based upon a bank out in Oregon. Roy knows this because his father was instrumental in starting the bank. Um, and that bank failed. So the concept was great, but in three years, the bank no longer existed. I also had a family. Uh, my wife and my two daughters. Um, my youngest daughter, Cindy, uh, was born with uh, congenital heart disease. A very serious uh, situation. Um, required a lot of medical attention. She had subsequently had five heart surgeries, but at that time, she was only three. So here I am praying in the White Corp Reformed Church balcony every Sunday to find out what was the right um, path for me to take because all of these things are like weighing um, on my mind uh, what should I do but fortunately thanks to my mentorships and thanks to God's guidance I was led uh, to come and, and um, come into the banking world at, at Atlantic Stewardship Bank and there were so many great things about ASB the tithing being one but there were so many great, great stories, and I'm not going to tell you the great, great stories today because I don't know that there's a lot of lessons to be taken away from those happy times. Um, so I, when, I, when I start sharing you some other stories, I don't want you to think it was all just like, you know, situations that were difficult because it was not. It was an incredible um, uh, journey, and many of you were uh, customers of the bank and are very uh, thankful to you for that uh, to support the cause of ASB. But seeing how mentorships worked uh, for me on my personal life, we started to in, 
uh, bring them into the workplace as well. Some of them were informal, some of them were formal. Um, very often if we bring a, a younger person, you know, that needs to understand how corporations work and how to be respectful and to uh, be empathetic and to be industrious, etc., they were assigned an individual. Um, others were just informal mentorships uh, that we would just be meeting on an ongoing basis just to discuss what was going on in their life, what was happening at the workplace, and what were their struggles, what were their concerns, what were the exciting things that were happening. Um, for me, I didn't even realize it was happening at the time, but when we were uh, getting to the point where we were going to transition to Columbia Bank, then a lot of stories started coming out and people were sharing with me some of their uh, experience at ASB and what those relationships and those mentorships meant to them. Um, uh, just a brief like uh, uh, overview. Several of the folks that, that had joined the bank um, had gone to church. They were church attendees when they were young. They probably stopped going after Sunday school when they were like eight or 10 and had never stepped foot in a church again other than to be married, and then that was it. Having been around the folks at ASB, um, many of these uh, employees or associates that we would call them um, decided to return to church. And they, were, uh, they became treasurers of their church. These are big churches. They became presidents of their council or their consistories. Uh, they became very active um, in their churches. And I think that's like so exciting to just be yourself as a Christian business person, to be yourself and know uh, that you're influencing others. These are not Bible studies. These are not prayer times. I mean, although our, our board, member, uh, board meetings always opened in prayer before we began, but the rest of the bank did not unless they were on their own. Some of the employees would get together and have their own prayer time, but it was not a corporate event, right? Because we are uh, a bank and uh, you can't require uh, people to be of a certain religion to come to work for you, right? So one individual in particular, though, um, that's a very good friend of mine now. Um, I knew that there was uh, this, this uh, fellow needed a lot of reinforcement and super guy, really nice, very likable. Everybody uh, thought the world of him. And uh, I, would, I would meet with him one-on-one -on -one, uh, every week for about an hour and a half in the morning before the uh, workday started. And we would just go over what was happening in his life, what was... Uh, well, how his work was going, how we needed a little guidance on certain areas. And uh, so, so that was going on for about maybe two or three years. Um, and after, about, two, after that time, about three years, he worked for me about, for about 20, 22 years. Um, he confided in, in me that he uh, had an addiction problem. And it was very serious. And his... Um, uh, marriage was being threatened, um, his uh, family life was uh, just in shambles, he really didn't know what to do. He was seeking help outside of the bank, which was very the right thing to do. But he's, he, he always tells me that, um, that basically he's alive today because of our conversations. And uh, that was very, that's very powerful. I see him all the time. He's a great friend of mine. 
And if he doesn't say it to me every time we see him, he says it to my wife. So, and, and so it's really nice of him to say. It's kind of a little un- uncomfortable. But um, if, he's, if that makes him happy and that, that make, that's a good thing for him, that's a good thing for me too, right? So um, as the bank gets started, um, what, what, if you're, unless you work in a bank, I know where's my friend? Um, Ed. So anyway, the deal is, the people who make the money for the bank are the commercial lenders. Uh, so the commercial lenders always think, for some reason, they're better than everyone else in the bank. Right? So they don't need to talk to anyone. They just walk in. They do their thing. They walk out. Nobody knows. what you know. It's just they, they live in their own little world, right? So... Uh, ASB, and of course we are hiring in bankers, we don't want to make a mistake like the Oregon Bank, they just hired nice Christian people and said, okay, be a banker, that doesn't work, right? So you have to hire bankers that understand banking, and then hopefully you have a Christian attitude about the, the way they operate. So, so our goal was always is that, uh, that we had a culture of respect for one another, it didn't matter and I told this to every commercial lender we hired. I, it, you might be the best producer for us in the bank, but you are no better than anyone else in this organization. Everyone is important, from the messenger person that runs around and delivers the mail to the tellers or whatever. You stop and you say hello to everyone when you come into their facility and greet them and be sincere about it and be kind to them. And so... That's what we did, and it didn't always work well, but it, they, because when they came from other big banks, that's the way that they were groomed. Am I saying something that, no, you know I'm right. Okay, so, <laughs> so anyway, so by ASV standards, everybody had to be on the same plane. So when I saw once in a while, and they were in their own group, right? They weren't even in our, in our building, that I saw a little bit of that headiness start to come in. I decided to implement some team exercises for them. Um, and they weren't so thrilled about it, but I thought it was a great idea. Um, and that was, I sent them all to Eva's village to, to feed the homeless for lunch, the whole group. They all went by, you know, and they grumbled about it. But it did have an impact because if you have never been there, Eva serves uh, lunches, or it's a little different now since COVID, but for about three to 400 um, folks every day, uh, you help prepare the lunch, you serve the lunch. Some of these folks sleep under bridges, some sleep along a river, some sleep in homeless, in, in empty houses. Um, it's a very humbling experience, and it's uh, a very moving experience. So uh, we would introduce um, uh, different um, programs such as that, building at Habitat for Humanity, etc. So it's all good. Um, one of the things I was surprised at uh, when we first, and it happened so quickly, and I don't know why I was surprised, but when certain people came in and applied for a bank, because now we have a Christian um, monitor with, uh, uh, at the bank. In other words, here we have a bank that has Christian values, and people apply for a loan, that didn't qualify for a loan. And they were turned down. And quite frankly, as a Christian, sometimes you cannot just give somebody something they're asking for just because they're asking for it. Right? You have to think about it. 
And although your heart says, okay, let me help, are you really helping is the question. And um, then the backlash came very, very forcefully, but you're a Christian bank. How could you be turning me down? And we would explain the reason we're turning you down is because we wouldn't be helping you, even though it might help you in the short run, but um, maybe not in the long run. I've I've had customers, I have one customer in particular, he and his wife wanted a house so badly in Franklin Lakes, and uh, they could afford it. It was on the higher end, it was a stretch for them, Um, but it, it, it met all the regular underwriting standards, and two years later, he came into my office and he blasted me and said, how dare I give him that loan for his house and now they can't afford it and they're going to lose, lose the house. Well, I can't control what they do with their money after the mortgage closing and what they do with their lifestyle. But that, now this is a person that I've known for like 25 years and I thought I had a very nice rapport with, but clearly he was in a bad place. Right, and so you pray about that, but uh, hope it eventually resolved itself. But that's the kind of backlash I really did not expect to get because you're a Christian, therefore you're expected to do certain things, whether it's in your mind and from your perspective as a Christian, is that correct, even though the other person is requesting it, right? So that's just a, a little bit of a challenge. So. So for me, it became clearly evident as the bank grew that it was harder to keep those values in, together uh, with various people in different, or, different locations and all working for the same cause, supposedly working the same way. But they're all individuals and they all have different um, personalities and they're all different backgrounds, right? So we try to bring it together. So it was, it was key to me uh, that I had to have the right people in my circle very, very quickly, very strong people, strong. And, and fortunately for me, about 90% of them were Christian, right? So they were, they were attracted to the bank because of what the bank did. So that, that was fortunate. But not everybody, you know, was subscribed to the same um, religion or their philosophy of life. Um, when things really, when the waters got really turbulent in about, uh, let's see, in when the Great Recession hit, somebody told me, uh, a good friend of mine, said, you know, my father was, uh, had his own business in the Great Depression. And it wasn't the year of the Great Depression that was the problem. It was the three years afterwards. It was the rippling effect that occurred that was the worst. So when the Great Recession hit, ASV was doing fine. Like we were, when this, we were still a high-performing bank for three years, um, everything was going fine. And because we had such great customers, they were doing everything they could in their power to make their payment on their loans. However, at the end of the three-year period, they were exhausting their resources, and it was there was nothing more that they could draw on to to pay their loan. While this was happening, the real estate, in, uh, especially in Patterson, was devaluating. And so, whereas we would have, we'll just use this as an example, right, a, a loan of uh, $400,000, and we would uh, lend 
maybe uh, on a commercial, maybe it was like 70% of the value of the property. Company strong, company knows what it's doing, property values there, supporting it. You don't ever make a loan based on, real, on, on the collateral. It's on the ability to repay, right? So the collateral is just there to kind of make sure things go the right direction. The, the properties in Patterson were down between 75% and 50%. When we're FDIC insured, uh, which means that you have to comply with FDIC uh, requirements. Now, if you, you all hear, hear the term FDIC, it's just a natural thing, right? Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. The bank pays for your, the insurance. It's just like you pay for your insurance at home. The bank is paying for that insurance. It's not a government fund that is just there, right? So the FDIC wants to make sure that your bank is sound because um, why is it there? It's there to create um, some stability in the banking world. Like FDR said, like after the Great Depression, we've got to do something to calm everybody's fears and take the money out of the mattresses and put it back in the banks. So the FDIC was created. But um, their job is to create stability, but their other job is to never pay out a premium, ever. So, so what they do is they, they, they're monitoring the banks to make sure that you're in line so that nothing is going to go wrong, nothing's going to derail, and that they're going to have to make a payment, right? So, um, so they, come, they come into the banks every year, and they spend two to three months a year there, um, looking at everything that you do. I don't know where I am on time. I just get carried away. I'm sorry. <laughs> am I done? Oh, okay. All right. So anyway, um, so, so we now have to work with customers and try to work them out of their situation where they are, right? So we were meeting like in a war room uh, with my team. Like it was a great team. Um, every day, um, maybe for an hour, twice a week, all afternoon, specifically asking about, well, what about Roy's deal? Well, what about Ray's deal? Well, what about Phil's? Well, give me an update on Brian. Give me a, and this just went on and on and on. And without having those key people in that circle to make that happen, I don't know where we would have been. Fortunately, we came out okay from it and we were able to continue our tithing program. But I'll tell you, it, 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 was, it was a very trying time um, but it was a testing time, but it is definitely a time as a Christian that you can look back and say, I'm glad that I had other Christian people that are dedicated, hardworking, knowledgeable in my circle and to help make those decisions. So I'm going to wrap right now because I am running, because like I said, I could just, I know, I'm sorry, I could just go on and on and on. So anyway, so I guess if there's takeaways this morning, I would like you to consider about uh, your mentorships, who, who mentored you to get you to where you are today. <clears throat> How are you acting or functioning as a mentor to, to others? And are you surrounding yourself with the right team to support you in life? So uh, my, pray for, my prayer for all of you is that you continue to attend these sessions because they are terrific. This is a great group of people. And it's just a privilege for me to come here and be with you today. Now, I will say, I had technical challenges.
that's not atypical for me. I used to have a whole team of people that used to help support me. And stuff. I don't have that anymore. So when I came to print out all the, the questions for you for consideration today, nothing would print. So these are my hand printed, please excuse it, questions. And I went to Staples and the one machine didn't work too well. I went to the other one and that one wasn't too good either. So just bear with me and I hope it works for you. Okay, so thank you very much.